We believe we've been hearing from Jesus this last few months, this last few weeks on this journey that he's been taking us into the book of Acts. Um, and we get into the book of Acts. We began that in February. If, if you haven't been around here, I'm going to give you a little quick update of where we've got to. Um, if you're here for the first time, welcome into the journey with us. We're journeying through a book that is alive. It's alive for us. It's a vision and the values of who we are as a group of people here. We haven't just plucked them out of the air. We've taken them from Scripture and said, how do we begin to live this out in our context? And so we began to look at an overview in the book of Acts, saying, what is it that these people are? They're basically family on mission. They're a group of people who want to love one another well. A good functioning family who have a purpose, and that purpose is to see the rule and reign of Jesus. The rule and reign of Jesus. It's not about building the church, okay? It's about the rule and reign of Jesus taking over this region, taking over this nation, as we invite more of him into our lives. And as the overflow of that from our lives, we hope that that spills out into the lives of those around us. So we want to love them well. We want to realize that Family isn't just us here. We have brothers and sisters and aunties and uncles right throughout this city who just don't know Jesus yet. And it's our mission to go and tell them, to go and show them, to love them with the love of Jesus. And so we began to unpack that. What does that look like in our everyday? Then we had a a dedication Sunday here which still fits in with the whole thing because we invite it. We be welcomed into the family, these wonderful little kids that God has blessed us with and said, hey, we're behind you. We're all in this together. We want to love you well. And we want to welcome you into this family who are a mission. And we had the scattered feast in February as well. We have that every, uh, every, uh, every month, the scattered feast. And that's part of Acts as well. Because if you read through Acts, it says that they gathered together in one another's homes and they ate, they broke bread together. So you see, everything that we do, it comes from this. It comes from God's word. And so even last week, you may be wondering, where where was the journey going with this? Because I love Andy. I love how he just listens to the Holy Spirit. So in my mind, whenever I'm hearing him saying, hey, I've got something different. My planner, everything has to go to plan, starts to freak out. And I'm like, what's going on here? But actually, so when Andy spoke last week on togetherness, Around the good shepherd, as he's the one who leads us together. I was like, Lord, this has to fit into this somewhere. Because I know Andy. I trust Andy. I know that he's been speaking to you. And this is for people in this day. And then he brought me this week, as we've been journeying through the book of Acts, and where we were meant to be. Well, I've just lost my place. Where we were meant to be in Acts 1. Acts 1, 14. And this is what it says. They all joined together constantly in prayer. So you see, before they got to the prayer, what was there? Togetherness. Unity. Who unites us? It's the Good Shepherd. And so as we journey into prayer, I want you to know that. There is something powerful about unity and meeting together and celebrating together. It is powerful. Doing life together, journeying the hurts together, journeying the celebrations together, we do it together. So Andy, bless you. 
Bless you for last week. We needed that. I just love whenever we had to gather around a sheep and made a sheep pen. It just made me think back home of, here's an Irish uh, place for you, Bracarelli. That's where we're from. Uh, just reminded me of Bracarelli. Bracarelli. Yeah. And so we're journeying into this season now. We just want to look the next couple of weeks through uh, the next slide. We're a family who prays. We're family who pray. So we're all mission, but we must gather together and pray. It has to be the foundation of everything that we are. And I love that it says in Acts 1.14 that they joined together constantly. It wasn't just a one-off. Constantly prayer was part of who they were. It was an ongoing thing. So as you read through the book of Acts, bear with me here. I'm going to show you, just highlight a few times. Acts 1, they were praying before they chose leaders. Acts 4, after they were persecuted, they were praying for boldness and great growth resulted. Acts 6, they were praying before choosing leaders and great growth resulted. Acts 9, they were praying for signs and wonders. Great growth growth resulted. Cornelius in Acts 10 and 11, prayer surrounded every aspect of the spread of the gospel to the Gentiles. In Acts 12, they prayed for the release of Peter from prison. Acts 13, they prayed before setting aside the first missions or church planting team. Acts 14, they prayed before setting aside new churches with new leaders. Acts 16, they prayed in prison, resulting in the conversion of the jailer's household. Acts 20, they prayed when departing from a church that they had planted. Acts 21, they prayed when commanding Paul to a dangerous situation and certain imprisonment. Acts 22, praying in worship and receiving guidance for future ministry plans. Acts 28, praying for signs and wonders. Do you see what happens right from the first book? They met together and they prayed. And in the last book of Acts, they met together and prayed. And so if we are to continue the things that Jesus began to do and to teach, then we need to pray. We need to pray. And it's not just an Acts. If you go right through the scriptures, 1 Thessalonians 5, is this just stands out to me always. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's God's will for you. So when you're asking God, what do I need to do next? What do I, what this, what do I need to do about this decision? Do I, do I take this job? Do I not? Do I go to this place? Do I not? What is your will for me? I don't know what my life looks like. It's this. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. If you do that, you're following God's will for your life. Hey, prayer is important. And so I just want to stop for a moment because if you're here and you're exploring what a life with Jesus looks like and you're wondering, what is this prayer? I don't understand it. It's just where you meet together and there's a load of babbling and it's language that I don't understand. What, what is it? It's just saying words to some God that I don't even know if he exists. <laughs> Let me tell you what prayer means to anyone who has that relationship with Jesus. And we want you to have this. We want you to feel this. Prayer is communion with God. It's connection with God. It's relationship with God. We are not praying to some statue or some wall or some false hope. We have faith in a living God who has risen from the dead and is waiting to talk to us, to have communion with us. And so all we want to do when we pray is have connection with the God who created us. So when we pray, it's much more than just words. It's relationship. It's why it's so key to us. It's why it's the foundation 
James 5.16 says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And so this is someone who is walking in relationship with Jesus, who communes with Jesus, who has connection with Jesus. Stuff will happen. And that's not me saying that. That's scripture. It has great power and produces wonderful results. So why is it whenever we pray, we're like, I hope this is going to happen. Hope isn't a, oh well, it might. It's like, yes, Lord, you have spoken on this. I'm declaring this. And in this moment, I know that you have power. I know that your prayers produce results. So I'm going to continue to have connection with you. Let's work this. Let's work on this. Let's see your rule and reign into the situations in our lives. It also says in James 5.16 to confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. And so I need to confess to you I'm not that good at prayer. I need you to pray for me in that. So when Andy said Ricky, what about you kicking off this stuff in prayer? I'm like Look, there, there, there's far better people There's people who are prayer warriors that could inspire us. Who could help us to leave with a sense of, yes, let's go do this. But I want to speak to those of us this morning who find it a struggle. And I hope that through the things that I've had to struggle through and the things that I've learned and my story and how the journey with prayer has been up and down, that the lessons that God has been teaching me on my journey in this, because I'm not an expert in it, I'm exploring it. And I hope that you can take something from what I've been learning. And so, let's kick into that. See, so growing up back home in Northern Ireland, my mum and dad, like they, they were Christians. They took us along to church all the time. My dad was an elder in the church. And so, my journey with prayer began, um, sometimes being a young guy in a prayer meeting uh, with, like, and the denomination that I want to honour because they poured so much into us. But sometimes the language was really hard to understand. And we would have these prayers of intercession from the front of the church. And I was like, I, I just don't know what's going on here. I'm struggling with this. It feels empty. It's, it's just words that I don't understand. We don't talk like that anymore. So my journey with prayer was that I didn't really understand it. I went to a, a, an integrated grammar school and there... Like you take this stuff for granted here, but in Northern Ireland, like to have Catholic and Protestants together in a school isn't normal. Yet I went to a school that was integrated, so we had all faiths. We had Catholic, Protestant, Hindu, Buddhism, everything was there. And what I then began to become more confused about is, what, what, well, why are they praying a different prayer to me? Why does the Lord's Prayer end and we continue to speak? So I got confused about prayer. And lead all that stuff with confusion and loads of other stuff that was going on. Not just prayer, but I don't have time to tell you everything. But I walked away from church, I walked away from prayer, walked away from relationship with Jesus. But I couldn't get it. It was complicated. I was like, I could never pray like my dad. I could never pray like those people at the front. I don't even know what we're meant to be praying. And so as I walked away from church, that led me into, you know, drinking and drugs and paramilitaries and and a lifestyle that wasn't what I wanted but I found community that I could people understood me and I understood them but in the midst of all that I knew that that verse in James 5 it kept coming back but there's power in the name of Jesus there's power in prayer 
And so we saw, even when I was far from Jesus, this is what you need to know this morning. If you are far from Jesus right now, he's running after you. He is answering the prayers of people who love you, who are praying for you, to come home to relationship with him. So we saw many miraculous breakthroughs in prayer, even when I wasn't following Jesus. So I saw, for example, one of those being whenever I'm, I'm on top of our work building and I'm ready to jump off. I say, God, if you're there, I need you to stop me from doing this. And then my friend, Rodney, calls me at that moment. And my, my phone's in my pocket. And I'm like, what is going on here? And then we're coming to Carlisle 13, 14 years ago. Zoe and I were together at this time. And we're involved in a crash where her, da- her uncle falls asleep at the wheel. And we're in this mangled mess of a car at the side of the M6. Shouldn't have survived. And the first thing that Zoe says to me is, do you remember your dad prayed with us last night? Hey, maybe, maybe this whole God thing is real. Maybe there's more power in prayer. Remember, you always talk about this power in prayer. Maybe there's something in this. And so, why am I telling you all this? Even when I was far away, even when I couldn't understand it, God was answering the prayers of my mom and dad and people who were praying for me. So I encourage you to keep praying. If there are people in your family right now who are far from Jesus, who are going through difficult times, who you look at and you say, it's impossible for them to love Jesus right now. That's the sort of prayers Jesus wants you to pray. Don't give up. Keep praying. And so, uh, fast forward and again, we got to the... uh, yeah, fast forward through this here a little bit. I got to the place um, where I met Jesus in the midst of hurt, in the midst of a storm. And through that, I began to read my Bible. I began to go to church. But the one thing I was struggling with was, how do I pray? I still don't know. Who will teach me how to pray? And so I was getting involved with kids' ministry in our church at that time and helping out and then came one of the first breakthrough moments one of the teaching lessons that I want to tell you so Derek McKinney our youth leader at the time said Reggie I'd love you to pray um, at the front of kids club tonight and I'm like I can't do that mate not a chance he goes why so it's kids and just pray what you normally pray and at that moment he's thinking this is making it easy but inside me I'm like Oh, I'm about to get caught out here. I feel like a fake. I'm a Christian, but I don't talk to God. So how am I going to stand in front of kids and, and say a prayer? So there was no there's no getting out of it. Derek got me to the front and he said, Right, Ricky's going to pray for us. And so I just was like, uh, Dear God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, didn't know who to pray to. <laughs> um, thank you for tonight. Let's have fun and let's learn about Jesus. Amen. And just walked out. And at that moment, I could see Derek McKinney at the back of the hall with a big smile on his face. He's going, that's it. That's it. So the first thing I want you to know is that it's easier than you think. Prayer is easier than you think. We make it complicated. We make ourselves think that we have to have a magic formula and say certain words whenever all Jesus wants to do is to talk to you. If you can talk to the person beside you this morning, you can talk to God. 
If you can have conversations with people during the week, you can have a conversation with God. Just tell them how you feel. It's easier, easier, much easier than you think. Don't let fear hold you back from developing a deeper relationship with God. So begin somewhere. So prayer became, became something in my life that then I began to work on and I began to ask people, hey, would you come and pray with me? Like, you know, I'm learning all this prayer stuff. I don't really know a lot about it. Can you teach me how you pray? All that. Um, and so I began to pray. So what you need to know is, um, and I'm going back and forth in the story, but hopefully you can keep with me. Whenever I came to know Jesus, it was in the midst of one of the hardest periods in our life. So Zoe and I, just six months into our marriage, um, and she fell pregnant, but lost that child. And at that moment, I do what everyone else um, who doesn't know how to cope with these things uh, in my circle of friends. So I went back to drinking, I went back to uh, drugs, and just thought, I need to look after myself, while all the time Zoe's at home, trying to deal with things. And it was in the moment when our marriage, like, it looked like it was over. That's where I met Jesus. So in the midst of my pain, and in the midst of all the dirt and the, and the horrible stuff that was going on, Jesus met me there. So what happened? Fast forward to a year or so down the line, and I've began to pray, and Zoe's come to know Jesus, and I'm thinking in my head, yeah, everything should work out now. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to have this child, and that's it. It's simple, isn't it? And then we, we lose another child and we begin to pray more and we lose another one. And it's like, this isn't what I signed up for, God. So you say that power, there's power in prayer. What, what's going on? And so I get angry and I, and I take a huff with God and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not talking to you anymore. This prayer stuff, little mumbo jumbo. I stopped talking to God. But in the midst of that, I'm working in Tobermore Concrete at the time, making paving flags and paving blocks. And my only way to release the frustration and the anger without going back into the world that I was in before was, I used to go down to the bottom of the yard where the wooden crates were at, old wooden crates. I used to just kick the life out of them. I'd be like, ah, just busting crates all over the place and shouting at God. I was angry, giving him everything, giving him stacks, telling him who he was, how he let me down, all this stuff. And then one day, in the midst of it all, it's like I could hear his voice saying, that's it. Keep going. Just keep giving me your worst. Keep being honest. Keep telling me how you're feeling, because right now you're talking to me. I mean, no, 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 I'm not talking to you. No. I'm shouting at you. Yeah. You're having communication with me and that's all I want. Because when I had to give my son up for you, I know what it feels like to deal with pain. So I want to journey this with you. Just talk to me. And at that time I was reading through this book in the Bible called Psalms, where it's David, the man who's called closest to God's own heart. And as he would write these songs and write these prayers... He would just be honest. So, second learning point. God loves your honesty. Just be honest. 
Because he would tell God how he was feeling. He would ask God to smite down his enemies. When he was celebrating, it was great. Whenever he was angry, he told God how he was feeling. And if that's the guy who was called most after God's own heart, then what's different with any of us? (laughs) See, God showed me in that that David, through those times, through communication with God, God journeyed with him in those trials and his heart became a little bit more like the Father's. So God loves your honesty. Don't give up. Keep praying. Whatever you're going through right now, be honest with God. If you have no one else to talk to, he's there. And guess, where do you hear this? Psalm 136 says this, God's love endures forever. So you know what that says in the message? God's love never quits. So no matter how honest you are with him, he's never going to stop loving you. Hey, You can kick crates and call him all the names in the world and he won't stop loving you. You can tell him how you felt let down by him and he won't stop loving you. It's this relentless love that just keeps coming and coming. Like Andy says about what Neville says about how you trust God to pour the cream because he just keeps giving and giving and giving. That's it. He just keeps pouring out his love. So just be honest. So to take the journey on, we... uh, yeah, be honest with God, we began to um, pray more, we received some prayer ministry, we learned a little bit about this deliverance ministry and things like this, and we saw you know, prayer, the power of prayer, breaking off things in our lives, um, breaking off generations of things in our lives. And it's no coincidence that after that, God gave us Eden. And so at that time, my prayer, my belief in prayer, my journey with prayer was at its highest. It was like, yes, prayer is powerful. Look what God can do. And so at that point, I, uh, let's fast forward a little bit. I'm working in youth ministry in the North Coast. So God had called us to the North Coast to work in youth ministry. And I would say, Lord, okay, so the promises that you've given us, all we have to do is pray, and at some stage they'll come true. So I'm prayer walking around the North Coast. I'm gathering leaders together, and we're declaring promises, and we're kicking spiritual backside with our prayers. We're saying, your kingdom come, your will be done, here in Korean as it is in heaven. And an expectancy of stuff was going to happen. And then after a month, nothing's happening. After two months, nothing's happening. After three months, nothing's happening. Months and months turned into years and nothing's happening. And we're like, what's going on? In fact, sometimes the things seem to be getting worse. And so again, I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, God, what's going on? So you've given me these promises to pray into. Why are they not happening? If it's your will to see this stuff happening and we've prayed, why is it not happening? Hey God, show me this, the third point. It's his invitation to us. Prayer is about his invitation to us, not our invitation into God. So let me try and explain that around the context of all this. So for me, I was looking at that as, I've got these ideas, God's given me these ideas. Okay, so this is my mission now. I need to see this stuff happen. So if I pray, pray, what I'm doing is, I'm just inviting God into my mission. And we get like that sometimes. So we believe God's given us something, a word, a promise, and we're like, that's mine now. And actually what God's doing at that moment is, it's not you inviting him into your mission. He's inviting you into his. The invitation is his. He's saying, 
This is what I would like to see happen right now. What I'm inviting you into is to journey this with me. Begin to pray. Begin to see things from my heart. Begin to journey with me and see how my heart breaks for this area. And so when he invites us in to his mission, what does that look like for you? Because in Hebrews it says this, that Abraham and Moses and all these, these characters in the hall of faith, okay, it says that living by faith, they were living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things they had promised, but they saw and welcomed them from a distance. Where am I going with this? You may have promises and you may have words for this region, for your family, and you're expecting them right now because this is your mission. And what God's saying is, I see things with an eternal perspective. And right now, all I'm asking you to do is to pray and lay foundations for what's going to happen. So what happened was, whenever I was in Exodus, and it got to the point where God said, you need to move away from here. You've done everything that I've asked of you. And I'm like, what? No, no, no. Like, What about all these promises? As soon as I step away from that organization, the things that we had prayed and we had battled for, for years, began to happen. It's like, what? I don't get this. See, that's looking at it from my mission. Carlisle Vineyard is God's church. It's not your church. It's not my church. It's God's church. It's his mission. Everything that we do is spent time soaking in prayer because it's, God, what do you want to do? It's his mission. And so some of the promises that we see and we have over this area, we might see the fulfillment of them. But if we don't, it doesn't mean we stop praying. Because what God's doing is he's inviting us into his heart, inviting us into a deeper understanding of who he is and what he wants to see. So I ask you, what does that feel like? For the things that you're contending for right now, what does it feel like if you never see the fulfillment of them? Are you okay with that? Because if not, I would urge you to go back and spend time more, more time with Jesus and ask him, I want to see things with your heart over this area. It's not about me, it's about you. You're inviting me into your mission. I'm not inviting you. And then the last thing that I've been learning is just in the last year or year and a half, um, so after I left Exodus, I, I did a year with Causeway Coast Vineyard, our church, doing the Encounter School of Mission, um, being on the streets, meeting people where they're at, just because that was the call I felt specifically for us as a family. Okay. So we're on the streets and we're meeting people. And Mark Marks is training us how to pray um, for healing on the streets. And so what begins to happen is we see people healed on the streets. We begin to see breakthrough in prayer. I'll give you some examples of that. There's a, a guy came to us on a Saturday to pray with him. And this red mark that he had on his eye for years that was beginning to give pain just goes. God decides at that moment, I'm healing. This guy comes up, has torn ligaments in his shoulder, and he's, he's crying out in agony. And we pray for him, and he's healed instantly. I go to speak at this church, my mum and dad's church, who don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, but yet I pray for the leaders, specifically around the area of healing. 
There's a lady in the church had been dealing, uh, she had to go to get some results to do with some lumps they had found. And whenever the, those people, the elders in that church, went and prayed with her, next time she goes to the doctor, the doctor's like, what? What's happened? Because the lumps aren't there anymore. And so in that moment, yeah, Jesus, you're great, you're healing, this is great. And yet, this is where the learning point came from. At the same time, I'm at home with my wife, Zoe, and she's struggling with her back. I'm like, but Lord, how is it that we're seeing people pray out here when I pray for them? And yet in my own house, my own wife is struggling with this. And she ended up in hospital at that time. So I'm like, God, I don't understand this. What's going on? So we're sitting in the hospital and up on the TV screen. I see uh, that it's Thanksgiving Day in America. I just feel the Father saying, begin to give thanks. As I say to Zoe, I think God wants us to give thanks, but I don't really know what to give thanks for right now because it feels pretty crap. You're sick. The kids are playing up. They're having sicknesses. And yet everybody else is getting the answer to their prayers. So what do we have to be thankful for? And then she says this, well, at least we've got each other to care for each other. That's something to start with. And I mean, through gritted teeth, it was thank you, Jesus, that we've got each other. And then, untightened a little bit, thank you for our kids, that we have our kids to look after, even when they're sick. And then it was, thank you that you're bringing breakthrough in families. Thank you for the home that we have. Thank you for how you provide for us in a year where we've stepped out of, mar- out of um, employment and you've continued to provide for us. Thank you that you're speaking to us. Thank you that you're here right now with us. And so what happens is, thankful prayers shift perspective. Thankful prayers shift perspective. See, what it does is it takes your focus off the problem and brings it back onto him. And that's what the heart of prayer is about. Him. It's about him. It's about him getting the glory. So whenever those people are healed, that's nothing to do with me. That's God. Whenever we see these breakthroughs, whenever we're given these words, whenever we're given all these um, moments of learning, that's God. It's all about him. Thankful prayers shift our perspective. So right now, you're struggling and I don't mean to minimalize that. I, I know how hard life can get. There's stuff that could absolutely wreck you and wreck your life and take the mat from underneath you. Can I tell you what the best thing to do is start being thankful. Something will shift in how you are viewing it because you will view it looking at God and not the problem. So Pete Gregg, I learned so much from Pete Gregg in prayer. I honor God for him. He's a gift to the church. He teaches us how to pray. And he says this. I remember asking him this very question at that time in a, in a teaching session. about. I don't understand this. I said, Reggie, it's like this. At times we think, our view of God is, okay, if I keep the focus on you, okay, I'm going to pray for this. And we think he's like this aeroplane that comes in and it's an emergency evacuation. He takes us out of the situation and everything's fine and rosy again. He's like, actually... Most times, because God can do that, but most times what he'll do is he flies in with this emergency aid drop and he gives you everything that you need to sustain 
and grow in your walk with him, to grow in your character, to grow in your walk with God. And so he hasn't promised you a life that's all rosy and a life where everything happens how you want it to happen. He's promised you a life where he will not leave or forsake you. I think some people need to know that this morning. God's promised he will not leave or forsake you. He's promised he won't leave or forsake you. He won't forget about you. He sees the pain you're in. And he just wants to come into it. He's just waiting for you to say, come on, I need you. I need your help. We live in a society where we think we can get by by ourselves. We'll just keep going on. It's almost that, that Britishness, that stiff upper lip. We get through this and that's it. We'll, we'll, we'll jolly on together. Jesus wants us to be open and vulnerable with him. Be open and vulnerable with one another. If we want to see freedom break into our lives, 2 Corinthians says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In the very next verse it says that we with unveiled faces contemplate his ever-increasing glory as we become more like him. We have to lift the veils off and be open with one another. Not just gathering together corporately at prayer events here, but gathering together, starting little prayer triplets all over the city. Gathering people around your house, let's pray. As a family saying, hey, Right, tonight TV goes off. We're going to pray together. Because prayer needs to be a constant thing in our lives. And I'm going to leave us with this challenge that Martin Luther King Jr. says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. How do you check if you're alive right now? You see breath coming out. You hear the person breathing. You can feel the heat coming from their mouth. There's there's evidence that they are alive because they are breathing. If they're not breathing, what's wrong? They're dead. The church, to be alive, needs prayer. It's a sign that life is there. It's a sign that we're breathing. It's a sign that we are not trying to be totally dependent by ourselves, but we know that the life source has to be part of everything that we are and everything that we do. So I encourage you. Let's begin to pray together. So we're going to, can I invite you guys just, just to come for a little minute. I feel like God wants to do some things and we're going to pray in this. Uh, a friend who always had this phrase that sometimes the awesome is in the awkward. So like this can get awkward at times when, oh, oh that person beside me has raised their hands. I have to pray for them now. Hey, you don't need to have all the answers. Just pray. If you don't know what to pray, just come Holy Spirit. Just, just, just release blessing. That's it. Okay. So what I'd love us to do is, would would you stand with us for a moment? I feel like there's specific things from that story that need to be released. So let's bow our heads. Just come, Holy Spirit. Just come in abundance. Fill us afresh. We want you to minister to our hearts. So we invite you to do what you need to do. So I feel specifically in that first story that there are people right now who are afraid. They don't know what to pray. They don't know how to pray. And it's stemming their their relationship with God. I'm going to ask you to do something really bold. Okay, because I feel there's something significant that needs to happen with the moving of feet that signifies I am not staying where I'm at, I'm moving forward. 
So I'm going to ask you, if that's you and you would like to receive prayer, to have fear broken off, the whole mystery around prayer, then please come to the front and we'll get some people to come and pray. Simple as that. So just come. If you want, to, if you want that fear broken off, begin and point at us. Come. Jesus says, come. great to know that all you guys are better prayers than I am and there's no fear. It's good. It's good. Yes. Yeah. It's good. If you're one of the ones who isn't afraid to pray, can you please come and pray for someone at the front here? So I just invite you to come and pray right now. Because there's loads of us in the room that aren't afraid to pray, so just come pray for someone. Just keep coming. Come on. I'm not going to move on to this. I feel this is significant. I'm moving of the feet. So just come and pray. Come and pray. It's simple. Just come and pray. Pray for someone at the front. So we break off fear right now in Jesus' name. Fear you have to go. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So fear has to go. You're not welcome here. We invite the rule and reign of Jesus with the Holy Spirit boldness over this room right now. Increase our prayer lives. And I pray that you would honor the boldness of everyone who came to the front. A massive step that that's almost a signification of what's happening in their lives right now. As they come forward, you're increasing their capacity to break off fear over situations to release more prayers.